He said, no, you don't. You have ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. He says, get your affairs in order. In six months, you're going to be dead. You see, we found that hardship makes a person better. Just like steel gets tempered by fire. This is the fire that tempers us. When something happens that doesn't go right, the answer is do something about it. Don't just become a victim, become a victor. Are you feeling stuck, lost, tired, or uninspired? We've all been there, including myself. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. I'm here to tell you that the best, unapologetic, and limitless version of yourself is yet to come. The Born Unbreakable podcast is here to inspire just that. With motivating guests from all different walks of life and around the world, their stories will empower you to unlock abundance and your unbreakable spirit. Do you need accountability? Reach out to me for a free consultation of how I can support you in reaching your maximum potential. It is Coach Des here, host of the Born Unbreakable podcast, and I am launching Born a Boss Babe 90-Day Transformational Program starting in August, and I'm looking for 18 to 24-year-old young, confident women who are ready to step up and excel in life. What is the biggest difference of somebody like an Oprah or a LeBron James? It's having that mentorship and coaching. So if you're ready to supercharge your life, Hit me up, Des, at bornunbreakable.com for more details. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. After I was away on vacation and did a solo episode, I'm back with a special guest who I've been raving over privately with him before we started recording because he's he's accomplished so much. And I really do think that during our time together today, you will be inspired during this this uh, time of when you've chosen to listen to the Born Unbreakable podcast of all the thousands of podcasts you could be listening today. But today I have Dr. Alan Steven Leica with me. He is a speaker, a coach, a mentor, a best-selling author, uh, a podcast host. He's, he's tuning in today from Canada where he lives with his lovely wife, Lucy. He's also got four daughters and seven grandchildren. So he's a busy guy in his personal life. He's a leading cosmetic dermatologist. He did that for three decades because, you know, he's one of those people that clearly like to be busy. I've learned about some new things that he's going to get ready to do, but I'll let him talk about that. And he's written 17 books, 30 plus academic papers. And one of the things that I found really interesting was one of the challenges that he had gone through um, with his health. So back in 2003, he was misdiagnosed, which is very interesting, with Lou Gehrig's disease and later discovered that it was actually Lyme disease. So that's that's the kind of thing you don't want to happen. You kind of want to get it right the first time so you know you, you know what you're dealing with. But he persevered, and it was actually after that that he co-authored The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. And oh, by the way, he has a show called How to Live a Fantastic Life, so you can look that up wherever you listen to podcasts. So I managed to, did I get that? Did I manage to do that in like less than a minute? You did, did I do you good, did Dr. an Leica? amazing job with the condensing <laughs> all the things I've done over the last uh, 50 years. So that kudos to you. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I just feel very honored. I feel honored to to learn from somebody as accomplished as you, as humble as you. I have listened to your show and I, I just think you're such an incredible human being. So I'm grateful that you've taken time out of your busy schedule to come on the show today. Well, it really is my pleasure to be here and I really thank you for having me. So I have to start because you spent over three decades doing cosmetic dermatology. What was, was this a dream of yours? Did you grow up going, you know what? One day I tell you what, I'm gonna be helping people with cosmetic dermatology. That's what I'm gonna be yeah, doing. 
The How did that interesting happen? thing about when I started in dermatology, cosmetic dermatology did not exist yet. It was just at the forefront of the things that were going on then. So no, I never had a dream of it because there was nothing like that. I, I started in dermatology at the University of Minnesota and there, you know, it was a traditional program where you learned about skin cancers, you learned about treating acne, you learned about treating all the skin diseases. But, you know, just as I was there, new things were starting to be invented. We started to use lasers to treat skin diseases for the first time. And just about that time, the first people were being treated with Botox for wrinkles. And the first people were using it, we were getting treated with injections called fillers to help them with other wrinkles of their face. So the field was just evolving. It was just starting. Um, now Botox is the most commonly used cosmetic treatment in the world. Uh, fillers are the second most commonly used uh, cosmetic procedure in the world. And lasers are, are, are being used every day in doctor's offices. So the beautiful thing is being the, the start of those. I was a pioneer and I was able to use all those things in my field and be able to be at the top of the pack. And I led the movement in all these things for over 30 years. It's amazing. I've not gotten Botox or a filler, but I know lots of folks who've done that. I, I've always wondered if it's something that I would be interested in doing, but I, it's such a common thing. I'm like, oh, maybe, I don't know, maybe one day. Who you knows? know, it, it's a personal choice. And if people do not like something, the answer is they don't need to live with it. So that's the beautiful thing about things in this day and age. You have choice for what you you do, and you have a choice for for uh, for making those decisions, and you're in control of your own destiny. You know, many people because they frown too much get some prominent lines in the middle of their forehead, and, and that makes them look angry and mad so at, at, yeah, at, that, that, like, at that point yeah. i think it's something that people should certainly think about because if you're not a mad person why should you look mad why should you look angry this is true this is so true and especially today you know when we still do have masks and how you smile at people the new smile became your eyes you know um and things like that so there are different features that somehow get accentuated when other features have to get covered well, <laughs> which is so interesting exactly i mean i do not know when max and masks are going to go away and in fact i think it's going to be longer rather than shorter because every time we think we're making headway there seems to be another variant of COVID that's coming along. So I, I suspect that people are going to have to use this as part of their protection program for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. Well, that's, that's amazing. I think being in a space, no matter what direction someone chooses to do, when you can be on the innovative pioneering part of something. It's just exciting, you know, to be on that journey. So I think it's so cool that you got to to do that. And you, I, you know, I read about, there's actually a specific thing that you um, helped to pioneer, right? You know, there were so many I started to pioneer. One was, you know, I, I was an expert in liposuction and I, I did a lot of yeah. that. But then I co-piloted a procedure called SPELT, which is small volume elective lipotransfer. And in that procedure, we take fat from another area of the body and use it to augment mm -hmm. women's breasts so a person wouldn't have to go through a, a breast enhancement. And this was a beautiful procedure that helped a lot of women get totally natural breasts and be able to look better and feel better for themselves. Yeah, 
That's that's amazing that there's there's ways to do that. Let's just take take a little bit here and and it's funny because women, you know, and I'm sure you hear this of people who have come into your office over the last three decades of if I could just take a little bit from here and put a little bit over there, that would be amazing. Can you help me do that? I feel like this is everyday coffee chat, lunch conversation, cocktail hour you know, for women. And the fact that there we've evolved to a point where you actually can do these things is, it is pretty cool. It is. And, and it is as I said, cool. it was nice to be at the forefront of many of these procedures and be able to develop many of these procedures. Well, that, it's so awesome to hear about your career, but at some point, you did shift away and start to do all the other things that I that I highlighted with speaking and coaching and mentoring. But I, I am very curious because it, it does seem like one of those, you know, kind of pivotal moments was when you when you had drop foot. So that was back in 2003. You were in Disneyland on a family vacation. Yeah, let me, let, <laughs> Is let that me go when... back to that time for you. Yeah. You know, I was walking I with my that. wife and my youngest daughter in Disneyland. And my wife turned to me and she said, what's wrong with you, hon? I, you know, I was taken aback for once in my life. I hadn't said anything wrong. I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't even thunk anything wrong. But, but, but she <laughs> persisted and she said, what's wrong with you? I said, dear, I don't think anything's wrong with you. She said, listen to your foot. I said, what do you mean listen to your foot? That's the funniest thing I've ever heard you say. She said, well, listen to it. And my right foot had suddenly and mysteriously developed a right foot drop. Now that's something that is unusual because your brain is designed to lift up your foot with every step you're taking. Well, my right foot wasn't doing that. It was flapping on the pavement with each step that I was taking. So my wife said, did you have a stroke? And I said, dear, if I had a stroke, you know I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I said, you're a doctor, I'm a doctor. I'd probably be lying on the pavement muttering something unintelligible. And she said, well, when you get this, get back to Canada, she said, you better get this checked out. <laughs> now, when your significant other says that to you, what do you do? You get it checked out, Dr. Leica. That's what you do. <laughs> that, that's what a smart person does. They get it checked out. So I started seeing doctors, and that led to seeing dozens of doctors. And they referred me to more doctors. So at the end of the day, I had seen hundreds of doctors. They did every test known. They did brain scans. They did CAT scans. They even did scan scans. And you know what they showed at the end of the day? What did they show? Absolutely nothing. The doctors were befuddled. They were perplexed. They didn't know what to say because that's not what was supposed to be there. There should be something wrong. They thought I might have a brain tumor or that I might have a slipped disc or something, but they couldn't find any. So they did more tests and more tests and more tests. I think they even invented tests back then just to do tests. <laughs> But, you know, at the end of the day, there was still nothing there. So they got together as a group and they said, well, let's send him to a neurologist. You know, a neurologist is the brain guy. He's the guy that has all the answers to these complex neurological pictures. So they sent me to this world-leading authority. And I went in and I said, hi. He said, hi back. You better be sitting down when I tell you this. I said, why? I have a dropped right foot. He said, no, you don't. You have ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. He says, get your affairs in order. In six months, you're going to be dead. I was really taken aback. I said, is there a way to prove this diagnosis? He said, of course, on autopsy. Wow. I said, geez, you don't have much of a bedside manner. <laughs> And I left and I slammed the door and I said, I'm not going to die to prove you wrong. But you know, when you go through something like this, you go through anger. Anger is one of your primary emotions. 
and you're angry at the world. I was angry at my wife. I was angry at my children. I was angry at my staff. I was angry at my patients. And that anger just overflows in everything you're doing. You go through bargaining. Oh God, please don't let that happen. I'll do anything if you don't let this happen. You, you go through, you go through denial. Yeah. Denial is the five stages, the five stages of grief. Yes, Elizabeth Kubler Ross, right? Absolutely. The exact what she wrote in her book on death and dying. You go through denial. You deny that something went on. And so I'd work 12, I'd work 14 hours a day, but I couldn't deny that my right foot still had a drop. And then my right hand stopped working the way that it should. I couldn't use the surgical instruments the way that I did. But I was smart. I was able to adapt and become a left-handed doctor, not just being a right-handed doctor. So I, I could adapt 100% and my left hand could do everything my right hand could do. And then you go through depression. Have you ever been depressed? Yes. It's a terrible state, not, isn't it? It's not fun. When, when you're depressed, you can't eat, you can't sleep. You stare at the ceiling all day and you say, geez, I'm not even going to get out of bed. Why am I going to die anyhow? And you know, okay, so what you, you were told, let, let me just come back to this moment. Because for anybody who's listening, if you went to the doctor and you were told you have six months to live, what do you, what do you process? Like, what were you thinking when you heard that? You know, my thoughts were two. My thoughts were, first of all, I think this doctor's wrong. I, I think he definitely is wrong. I said, I don't think he has all the pieces. Uh, I, I think there is a misdiagnosis here. You know, I'm a doctor and I know misdiagnoses are made. I know doctors only know what they know. They can't know what they do not know. And so there is always a possibility of something else. You know, when I am a skin doctor and I look at some rash that's there, I usually give what's called a differential diagnosis. In other words, these are the top five or 10 guesses on my list. I don't narrow it down to one. Sure, one thing is more than likely, but that doesn't, uh, that doesn't rule out the other things that are on that list. And that's what's important is, is you know, medicine is not black and white. It, things often look like other things when they look in a certain way. Yeah, that's so true. Takes a little bit more work than, than the, well, and it certainly took a lot of doctors in your case to, to figure this out. So what, how did it go from, you've got Lou Gehrig's disease, there's six months left to live to this diagnosis of Lyme disease. And why couldn't it get, they get to the Lyme disease part faster? Well, you see, that's the complex part of the problem is that back in 2003, most doctors would argue that chronic Lyme's disease did not exist. They didn't recognize it as an entity back then. And so, you know, what happened to me is I decided that I wasn't going to live and die with Lou Gehrig's disease. It's a terrible death where a person is gasping for air at the end of their days. And I had decided on a plan to kill myself. And I went to my wife and I said to my wife, dear, what do I have? And she said, I haven't got the faintest idea, but you're smart, you'll figure that out. And I said, how can I figure it out? She said, perhaps you haven't seen the right doctor yet. Even though you've seen hundreds, she said, there's obviously somebody that has the right solution. Now, back in the early 2000s, something brand new was invented. And you might have heard about it. It's called the internet. You ever hear of that? <laughs> the internet? No. No. <laughs> no, it's like we can't breathe without it now. But back in the early 2000s, it was very primitive. You had to put your phone on a cradle and it would connect with another phone. 
and it would go ria, ria, ria for like <laughs> 15 minutes. And if it connected, you were able to get to the other side. Now, the internet back then was just like the internet now. It was full of the best resources, but it was full of garbage cans. And you couldn't find the garbage cans without, the, without going through them and finding the good resources. So I found a doctor in Colorado Springs, Colorado, by the name of David Martz, who had a story very similar to mine, but he got worse much more rapidly. And within weeks of his diagnosis, he was on his deathbed. And he was such a well-loved doctor, people from around the world were coming to say goodbye to David. And a doctor from Texas, a Dr. Harvey came up and he looked at David and said, David, there's something wrong with this picture. I do not believe you have uh, ALS. I do not believe you have Lou Gehrig's disease. David whispered, because that's all we could muster at the time. He said, what do I have? The doctor from Texas said, I think you have a new disease called chronic Lyme's disease. I think you've been bitten by a tick. And I think that disease is causing you to mimic ALS. And he said, if I'm right, I can start you on treatment and you will get rapidly better. Well, he started David on treatment and within two weeks, he was back to his usual self. So a light bulb went on for me and I knew I had to get in touch with David. So I phoned every hospital in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and I got in touch with David uh, there and he talked and he said, can you come down to see me? I said, of course. So I went down to Colorado Springs and that's where a miracle happened. He said, Dr. Leica, I think history is repeating itself. I think I can start you on treatment and I'll be able to help you along. And that's why I was able to practice cosmetic surgery for over 30 years before I walked away from it. That's incredible. So how does one manage Lyme's disease? So when you've got the diagnosis and you got the right treatment, what does taking care of yourself look like? You know, like? it consists of a lot of things. First of all, you have to eat properly. You got to diet properly. You got to get proper rest. You got to get proper relaxation. You can't get proper. You can't get stressed out. And, and you've got to allow the forces in your life to be better than their manage. Um, in addition, you need to be on specific medical treatments. And I encourage people, if they think their diagnosis is uh, Lyme's disease, that they get in touch with what I call a Lyme-aware doctor because it, it truly is an art to treat this disease rather than a science. And I don't want people to say, well, that worked for Dr. Leica. It's going to work for me. I don't think that would be fair to them. I, I think they need to, to search for the proper diagnosis themselves. And I don't want to put people down the wrong rabbit hole and give them a misdiagnosis or treatment. This show is not mm -hmm. meant to diagnose people. It's not meant to, to treat people. It's to try and give them other options for their things. And I think that's what's important here. Yeah, no, that's great advice. It's great advice. I just, for those that I know who have experienced Lyme disease, it always started with thinking it was something else. So that's why it fascinates me because I don't know that I've met anyone who ha has Lyme disease where it, they got it on the right, on the first try. And, and, in and terms I, of diagnosis. I definitely say this is a disease that can mimic anything. So that's why you have to really be careful. And I also know there's a lot of charlatans out there that prey on people uh, with this disease. And so I don't want people to be led down the wrong path. And as I say, it's very important that people uh, become aware of this disease and check into it more. And certainly check out the Lyme Aware Doctor. 
One of my favorite mm -hmm. organizations is something called ILADS, I-L-A-D-S, because they seem to mm -hmm. be very knowledgeable about this disease. And if a person thinks they may have it, I'd suggest people check into that organization and see if they can offer you any help. Yeah, that's great. I really appreciate that advice. I, I want to ask you then what led to writing The Secrets to Living a Fantastic that, Life that, that you co-authored? That's a beautiful question. And it's, it's a, a complex question as well. You know, when you go through something like I have, you can either be a mean, miserable person and go down the path that you were before, or you could decide to change. And I decided to start giving more back to society. And I sponsored an event called uh, Women of Distinction by the YWCA. You see, women in our society are not honored as much as they should, even to this day and age. Uh, so I decided to help change that. So I became the main uh, CEO and helper for this group. And we sponsored a huge banquet where we honored women from all walks of society. And a wonderful lady by the name of Harriet Tinka applied for one of the awards called the Turning Point Award. Now that turning point is given to a person that changed their life around. And Harriet is a beautiful black lady who was walking the cat ropes of New York and London and Milan. And she decided to walk away from the industry because she found it was such a dog-eat-dog -dog industry. She didn't want to do it any longer. So she decided to take up her second love, which was accounting. So she went to the University of Calgary in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and started her degree. But there she was befriended by a person who turned out to be a psychopath, and he became obsessed with her. And he ended up kidnapping her, stabbing her, leaving her for dead. So Harriet, as I said, ended up in the hospital. We, she does not know how she got there. She thinks maybe this person brought her there. But when she got there, she was very depressed. And she was going through her rehabilitation when a young girl by the name of Amanda came down the hallway wheeling in a wheelchair. Now, Amanda was also very special in that she had been in a tragic car accident where she lost both of her parents and use of her legs. Yet she was happy as a lark. She came down and she smiled at Harriet and said, Harriet, what are you doing here? And Harriet told her her story. And the girl said to Harriet, she said, you should be ashamed of yourself. Why are you so down? She said, you have a full life of you. She said, I challenge you to empower people with your story and turn them into better people. So Harriet had applied for the award, not to win the award, but to get to meet me, take me for lunch, and then encourage me to write a book with her. So that's how The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life was invented and came about. Now, the book is rather unique in that each chapter has a quotation to begin. And then there's a story that brings you into each chapter. And each chapter then has the dialogue that Harriet and I had while we were creating it. So you're like a fly on the wall listening to the creating of this book. So it's a very unique book. Now, it's based on 13 golden pearls. And these golden pearls are very valuable. You see, real pearls, real golden pearls exist. They exist in the South Pacific. But they are so rare, a single, solitary, perfect pearl costs upwards of $10,000. Now, what makes a pearl in nature is very unique. A little grain of sand gets inside of the wall of an oyster and it irritates the oyster. Now the oyster is not damaged by it, but 
a beautiful pearl results because of the trauma that goes on. And, and this is what Harriet and I found in these 13 golden pearls. We found these 13 golden pearls exist in each and every one of us. And they're as beautiful as any of the golden pearls in nature. So that's what we wrote about. And we want people to, to learn about those golden pearls and bring them out of themselves so that they will have a beautiful, beautiful golden pearl in their life. And if people concentrate on their golden pearls, they will certainly be enhanced and made much better by the things in their life. You see, we found that hardship makes a person better. Just like steel gets tempered by fire, this is the fire that tempers us. And we always tell people the most important thing out of our book is the message we give is that it's not what happens to you, it's what you do with what happens. So you should bear, you should listen to that message and, and learn from those, those trials and tribulations you have. Because those trials and tribulations, if you listen to them, will make you a better person, a better, stronger person, and make you into a better place. That's amazing. Now I'm like wanting to get the, a necklace with 13 pearls so I could be reminded every day, like a little, a little reminder. That would be, that would be a swag in your merchandise store that people can buy when they uh, get the, the bonus feature of the book. Yeah, for, for sure, for sure. <laughs> well, you know, I, I truly believe that it is in the hardship and in the challenge that we find the beauty and we find the growth. That's, that was the, how the show was born <laughs> because it was in my own challenges and adversities where I learned that you actually can persevere and wanted to have a place where we could talk about how we do that. And the more we can come together and empowerment, then the, the, the greater the inspiration is for people who may be in a place where they don't believe that to be true, right? Because together we can uplift. And like you said, when you went to that place of service, it changed you and your fulfillment. And that's evident, you know, and what you decide to do every day with speaking and doing a show. But I have to ask because I'm sure people are sitting here going, okay, well, I have to get the book because I need to know what the pearls are. If you had to talk about any of the pearls that have struck you, is there some little appetizer that you could you share? Know, one with of us? my favorite pearls is a little story I tell in my lectures when I talk to people. And I'll share that with you. It'll take about two minutes to do. There was a carpenter and his name was Fred. And Fred had worked in the same company for all the days of his life. He worked in it for 45 years. And at the end of that, he was tired. He was burnt out. He couldn't do it any longer. So he went to his boss and he said to his boss, I'm done. I'm finished. I just can't do this any longer. The boss said, whoa, Fred, don't do this to me. He said, you have been my master carpenter for 45 years. He said, could you please do just one more thing for me before you go? And Fred said, of course, boss. I've loved it here. I've loved this job. I'll do anything for it. The boss said, build me just one more house. You're my master carpenter. You've helped build every house that we built in our, in our company since it started. Only you can do this because you're my master carpenter. Fred begrudgingly said yes, but his heart was not into it. And he dragged his ass to work, and he'd only work a couple hours a day, and he barely got the job done. In fact, he produced shoddy workmanship for the first time in his life. But at the end of his completion, a miracle happened, and the house passed inspection. So he went back to his boss and said, okay, boss, here's the keys to the last house I created. So the boss said, hold it, Fred. We're going to have a little party. So he gathered everybody in the office. 
they popped the champagne, they had the caviar, they had a great party. And then at the end, the boss gathered everybody around and said, everyone, this is a very sad day for me. It's Fred's last day in the office. I know he's going to be very happy, but I'm going to be very sad. He said, but you know, Fred, I want to give you a little token of my appreciation for all you've done for me over the years. And he took the keys from that last house and he passed them to Fred. He said, Fred, here's the keys to the last house you've ever built. May you live in it with all the enthusiasm you've shown me over the years. You see, I tell you this story because enthusiasm is not a Monday thing. It's not a Tuesday thing. It's not a Wednesday thing. It's not a Saturday thing. It's something you bring to the task every day of your life so that you can have that game changer to make the world a better place. And that is one of the game changing items that you'll learn on my 13 golden pearls. And one of the things that you'll be able to take home and use every day to make your life unbreakable. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. What a story. And I wonder how Fred felt taking those keys to what was now his home. That was a plot twist. That was a plot twist. That was really good. So I have to ask you, because when we started chatting before I hit the record button, I, you know, I already became very curious about what's next for Dr. Leica. You've, you've done speaking, you've written books, you have a podcast. What possibly could be the next exciting adventure that you're pursuing? Well, you know, since my podcast launched in 2020, it got picked up by a network and now it plays 12 days a week on a network called AMFM 24-7. So we have a syndicated radio show now, which is really exciting. Now that's led to the opportunity to do a television show. And that television show, they actually want me to do not just a show, but to do a whole station on that television network. So it's going to be some very exciting times where I'll be able to bring in some original talent that's going to be very positive, and it's going to change, uh, hopefully, broadcasting for the better. As you probably noticed, there's a lot of negative messages out there in this day and age. And I'd certainly like to contramand that with a lot of positive messages that will make the world a better place. Wow, that is tremendous. I mean, did you ever think that after three decades in cosmetic dermatology, that this is where you would be on the other you side. Know, when I went through and I almost died back in 2003, I realized that every day I'm given is a blessing. Every day is something that I've got to do my best at. Every day it's where I bring my enthusiasm and my 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 enthusiasm to the table. So I'm very glad that I've been able to bring these things and help people along. And so, you know, if people do need help in their lives, uh, if they need a coach, for example, I'd love to give some people that are struggling 15 minutes of my valuable time. So they can sign up with that at my website as well, drallenlanka.com. And we hopefully can help get them through their negative times and get them through them. Because I've seen thousands of people when they get through their negative times, get to better times and truly thrive rather than just survive. Yeah. There's such a big difference, isn't there? In terms of, you know, thriving versus surviving. So I want to, I want to ask you, Dr. Leica, a couple questions for people to get to know you a little bit better. So I'm going to start with what makes you unbreakable? You know, I've always asked that question about resilience, about grit, about tenacity. How does a person become that way? And I think part of it is what you're born with, but I think it's also 
how you're made. If you're willing to just say, no, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to let that happen. The answer is the world becomes a different place. And so you have to make a decision along the way. So first starts with a decision. And that decision has to be that you are going to survive and persevere regardless of the situation around you. And then you should do a plan to get over it. Remember, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Well, I know you've done a lot of things in your life, but what is one thing that's on your bucket list? Oh, geez. I'm not sure at this point in time. The answer is that, you know, when you go through these checklists and so on, there's so many that I've actually accomplished. It's, it's been really a wonderful journey. Uh, the answer is, I think, as I say, my children and my grandchildren are my greatest accomplishments. So I'd love to see them get to the level that they're happy and they grow up and they do the things that they want to do. So... That is where I think every parent and grandparent looks at their, their children and says, geez, I just hope they do their best. And that's where I look at this as, as something that I've said, those are my greatest accomplishments. That's, that's fulfillment. That's for sure. I think that's amazing. Okay, what is a self-limiting belief you've had to overcome? You know, I never was always a confident person. I always found that I had to do things many times before I got them right. So uh, mm -hmm. a lot of it had to be with, with the fact that I felt that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't going to succeed at things. You know, when I had to apply for dermatology school, I had to put hundreds of applications to get a position that was there because it was extremely competitive. So it's very easy to get downtrodden by this process and not get to where you're at because the process is designed to get you asunder. But the answer is you still have to plod forward and keep trying. And if one plan doesn't work, then another plan will. And that's what you have to realize is that um, you know, like Thomas Edison, when is he inventing the light bulb? He tried thousands of times before he invented one that would work. And all he said was, every time he failed, he said, that's not a failure. I just found another thing that would not work. <laughs> that is true. And here we are. And then there was light. <laughs> that's right. So. We're, we're grateful for those uh, ongoing attempts, that's for sure. What about a superpower on the other side of that? What's something that you're very good at that you're proud of? You know, I, I think a couple of things, and I think people have to look deep at their superpower. I, I think one of the greatest superpower is the ability to laugh at things when they're not going properly. I think all of us are bestowed with that superpower. We just got to use it more. Laughter is one of the greatest sounds that comes out and should be used more and more for people to get to another level. I agree with that. The days that I laugh, regardless of what's going on, are the best days, that's for sure. For sure. Dr. Leica, if there was one last piece of advice that you could give to anyone listening, what would that be? You know, I'm going to again reiterate my core message. It's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. Please remember that every day of your life as life keeps throwing those curveballs at you, as life keeps doing those things to you. And when something happens that doesn't go right, the answer is do something about it. Don't just become a victim, become a victor. Yes. That's a t-shirt. That's the t-shirt statement there. <laughs> That's the one I want to be wearing every day. I am a victor. How can people follow you? 
and the wonderful work that you're continuing to you do. You know, I'm on all social media under Dr. Ellen Leica, and you can also find me on my website, D-R-A-L-L-E-N-L-Y-C-K-A.com. Uh, the easiest way is to go there. And if you go there, I have a special present for everybody. You will be given a golden pearl a week, meaning a golden pearl of wisdom if you sign up on that site. And we'll send it to your inbox every Tuesday at 10 a.m. so you can get to another level. And uh, we'd love to have you as part of our herd. They're growing uh, followers. We'd love to have you come and, and be part of that because, you know, we're going to have more seminars. We're going to have more teaching. We're going to have more. And the answer is you should be the beneficiary of that. That's wonderful. I will make sure that information is in the show notes so it's easily accessible for anybody who didn't get to jot that down. You can just go right there and find it, click it, follow, subscribe to those uh, things like the newsletter so you can get those golden pearls all ongoing because I, I tell you what, it takes, it takes a community for us to continue uh, maintaining a mindset that allows us to thrive. It's not in solitude that we do that, although I think it's a great place for reflection and growth. There's so much power in connection and community and with people. So I just want to thank you for your time today and sharing all your wisdom. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. It truly was my privilege. I really enjoyed it today. Awesome. Dr. Alan Laika, what a presence. There is a calm wisdom that pervades when he speaks, that you just want to pay attention when he's talking. His experiences, his wisdom, his tenacity, his optimism is so present in his energy. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the stories and learning from him. And what a career. Holy moly. Talk about going from cosmetic dermatologist to this author, speaker, syndicated radio host, TV inspiration in the U.S. and Canada. And I'm sure beyond that with all of the amazing work he does and to his point, the internet and what it's done for us to be able to reach the masses is just tremendous. Have you thought about some of the most beautiful things and where they come from? The story that he told about the pearl and how it is born from trauma because of the sand is certainly something that stuck with me. I have a tattoo, uh, one of the many tattoos that I have, is uh, has a lo lotus flower incorporated into it. The lotus flower is a flower that is grown from the depths of the mud. And it <clears throat> goes through its process of growth through that and then emerges above the water. Look at me, I'm getting all choked up talking about it. Um, <clears throat> it's amazing that the, some of the most beautiful things that we see and admire today, what they, what they have to go through to get to that place, to get to that beauty. So it's just a reminder to you. And I love his core message. Dr. Laika's core message of it's not what happens to you, it's what you do with it. Just know if you're hurting right now, if you're going through something right now, maybe there's a rift in a relationship or tension, maybe even a breakup, a transition, you feel lost in your career with what you want to do next. You're having trouble with your kids. 
and connecting and communicating at the level that you want to. You're not quite where you want to be in a friendship, a business, getting to a decision, having some sort of friction or tension in your life. Just know that there's beauty to be born from that. There's beauty to be born from the pain and the challenge. Talk about it often on this show. It is in the down moments and the trials and the tribulations where we learn the most and experience the most growth. We've talked about comfort zones and how getting out of your comfort zone, it does so much in terms of helping you understand your true resiliency, your true capability, that you have so much more in you than you even realize. And for every challenge that you feel like you're facing, the answers and the solutions are within you. Just know that. I really hope that you've been inspired by Dr. Laika in today's episode. Do check him out. Again, I've got the uh, information in the show notes so you can follow this amazing man and follow and subscribe to Born Unbreakable if you haven't already. I appreciate you. If you're checking us out for the first time and you just happen to scroll over to episode 102 because something struck you, thank you for being here. And thank you if this is your 102nd time coming on. I appreciate you being on the journey, being vulnerable, investing in yourself, taking time out of your day to say, I want to learn something new. I'm going to hang out with Des, Coach Des, and do that. And her guest, share. The power of community is sharing information, strengthening perspectives, expanding making more open-minded the world around you so that we can have a greater awareness and just show up as better human beings in the world. Remember, you are your only limit, so take action. I appreciate you so much, and uh, I'll see you next time because there's some cool episodes coming up. And like I said... I'll be making an announcement next week about a pretty cool thing that I'll be doing on the show. I hope you like it. I am both scared and excited about this surprise that I'm bringing to you starting in August. So stay tuned. Now I've got your interest peaked and you have to come back to hear what I'm going to be doing. All right. See you next time.